You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Just like that, the final hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. We are keeping tabs on the SEC tournament, Missouri and Tennessee in the second half. And the Tigers lead by four. And they're adding buckets with uh, the Vols, Chad. A tight game. Yeah, it's been uh, back and forth. Tennessee led by eight early in the second half, and Missouri has caught fire from three, playing really good defense. The press getting to Tennessee without Zakai Ziegler. Turnovers and layups uh, for Missouri, but Julian Phillips with a chance to cap off a three-point play here to possibly make this a one-point game again. It's been a really good game so far. How about Packers president Mark Murphy? He was asked, if there's a scenario where Aaron Rodgers is back with the team. Okay? Yeah. Rodgers, if there's a scenario that he's back with the team, the president of the Packers, this is the quote. Yeah, I mean, unless if things don't work out the way we want them. <laughs> He is obviously a great player. That's the quote yeah. from President Mark Murphy. It is retirement or the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. This leads back to my 80% yeah. assurance rate that it's going to be Aaron Rodgers to the Jets in a trade. I, I will be very, very surprised if, that, if any other outcome happens. Packers, which clearly is not going to happen based on the president, sounds like retirement. Retirement would surprise me. Trade to any other team would shock me. So I think the Jets thing will eventually get worked out. I hope so, too. I mean, he could really screw them over, though, if he refuses to retire and says he doesn't want to play for anyone but the Green Bay. Because then and they owe him. Mark Murphy, who's saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a scenario, unless things don't happen the way we want them to. Well, then they would owe him quite a bit of money uh, to, to play. Yeah, but, right? but also against the cap. Yeah. By just cutting him. It's true. <laughs> but they wouldn't. They would play him. I don't they'd think probably that, win I, more I just, games. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Right. No, I think I, the meeting at the end of the season over that, what, day and a half. Yeah. I think they said, hey, let's find out the most reasonable way to make this go down. And then I, he needed to I go agree. inside of a cave to meditate. Yes. Which that, didn't do anything, by the way. That's it, when they he still took the Jets flying to California that, for the Jets to even be in the mix. That's when he went into his bunker and he decided Have we heard about be what next? he contemplated and found during his meditation? No, I don't think he's talked about it. I haven't really heard that. Maybe we should book uh, an Outkick 360 show at the Psychedelics Conference, and we can interview Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and find out. What if he dropped what he found out in the isolation retreat at the Psychedelics Conference? That would make sense, right? Maybe that's where that news oh, will break. Maybe so. And now the Packers are moving forward with Jordan Love, at least we would presume. Yeah. But what do you do in the draft if you're Green Bay over Jordan Love? Right? Questions, I mean, questions. Because you only have a couple of years left. You have this season to determine if he's your guy because you've had all the time with, with Rodgers. I just don't believe the Packers when they say they believe in Jordan Love. I just I, I'm, I don't buy I, it. I mean, I, I have to at this point because I, the, you have the president saying, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I think the president just saying back. it's less an endorsement of Jordan Love and more of an endorsement of we don't want to deal with the yeah. year-to-year well, with Aaron Rodgers anymore. C.J. Watson joins us, 10-year NBA vet and VFL. 
the Vols playing right now in the SEC tournament. CJ, you paying attention to the the game against Missouri? Yeah, I was just watching. I was watching uh, at halftime, so it's good to to see them playing well. Um, but you know, hopefully, they can pull this game out. What's the ceiling for the Vols? Uh, right now, uh, I think it's you know, hopefully, they can get to somewhere like the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. Um, but losing your your starting point guard who brings so much to your team, uh, it's going to be tough and to overcome that. But hopefully, they can do it by committee. You know, you know a thing or two about point guard and the importance of the team. Also, <laughs> uh, we had your old teammate Dane Bradshaw in studio yesterday. He's in town doing some work media wise for SEC okay. Network uh, for the yep. SEC tournament. Told him you were coming on the show and asked him, you know, what what we should talk to you about. And one thing he <laughs> described was uh, we've got we got a couple of good things. But when Bruce Pearl came in, that he said one of the good things that Coach Pearl did was he let CJ be CJ. And even though he was a quiet guy, he led more by example. I think he, he said something like, it, it wasn't like Bruce Pearl was going to send you to leadership camp. He just wanted you to be right, a really yeah. good point guard, <laughs> and that was going to be your role in the team and wasn't trying yeah. to force you to be something that you weren't. Do you remember it the same way? And what, what did that do for you in terms of freedom when Bruce Pearl came in? Uh, it just gave me a lot of freedom. Let me play my game what I was used to playing, which is like an up-and-down, run-and-gun system. Uh, no knock to Buzz Peterson. He was a great coach, but... Uh, he was trying to get me to be more of a leader. I was a guy who kind of led more by example and not not a vocal leader. So I definitely enjoyed the leadership camp. I met a lot of great people there. I had a good time in Orlando, but uh, it wasn't something that I would have signed up for initially. But like I said, Buzz uh, saw greater things in me. And um, I'm just glad that, you know, I got to play for Bruce and, and Buzz. And uh, they both had two different coaching styles, but uh, they brought the best out of me in both different ways. Two very different personalities, too, yeah. between Buzz Peterson yeah, and Bruce sure, Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Pearl's definitely a one-of-a-kind one guy. Did you see him yeah. go crazy after the game uh, with Auburn in the radio yeah, interview? Did. Did, did, yeah, did that I mean, bring back memories for you when you saw that? Yeah, I love it, man. I love it when your coach is fired up like that. It makes you, as a player, want to play that much harder for him, uh, run through a brick wall for him. And when he's just as passionate as you are, you know, it means a lot to him just as much as you as a player. So it's good to see coaches like that. But, you know, every coach is different. They have their different styles. So um, uh, just like every person is different. So it's, it's good to, you know, have a, a taste of two different worlds. C.J. Watson, our guest, uh, the Believe in Bulls podcast network is where you can check him out. Plus uh, the quietstormfoundation.org for more information on uh, the charity there. Uh, C.J., uh, do you miss college or the NBA more? Uh, I would say NBA, obviously, uh, I think it's just more of a more business, you know, to travel more, um, uh, meet different people. I feel like, um, but college was fun, uh, four years of my life where I growing up and, uh, be a man, being on my own, the first time, you know, bossing me around, uh, so I had to take, you know, uh, be more accountable for myself and just do things on my own. Was there an NBA coach that was similar to Pearl? I don't get the sense that the NBA coaches can can do exactly what Bruce is doing behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't think there's Bruce is one-on-one. Uh, there's nothing really to compare to Bruce in the NBA world, um, but coaches are definitely passionate. Um, they definitely uh, have their flair and their sense of, uh, you know, self, self-worth, self but uh, Bruce is just one of a kind. i never seen a college coach or NBA coach get in the stands and paint his <laughs> chest like the fans and, you know, uh, tell people to come out and watch the game. So Bruce is, uh, you know, he sell, he's a salesman. That's what he does best. You know, you're you're watching this John Morant situation from afar like we are, but when you follow these headlines and, and see the way things are going right now, what what are you thinking with a talent like John Morant about what needs to happen around him and what needs to happen with that Grizzlies team? 
Um, they just got he just has to be more accountable for himself. Know that he's a, a role model uh, to little kids, um, to the older people also maybe. Uh, but just has to make better choices, better decisions, and uh, hopefully he can get the right people around him and he can take ownership on himself and just like I said, just make better choices for for the next generation coming up behind you. That's what you know. He's a role model to, to a lot of little kids out there. Is that a team that could win it all with with John Morant when he's in the lineup? Um, I don't think so. I think they're maybe one or two years away, uh, maybe one or two players away. Um, but I, I love Ja. I love their team. Uh, they uh, talk a lot of trash, which makes it entertaining. Uh, so it's definitely fun to watch when they're matched up against, you know, uh, the Golden State Warriors or whoever uh, who's coming out of the West. You enjoying the Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks chat and, <laughs> and uh, the, the the chatter back and forth game by game? Yeah, I love it. It's good banter. I mean, as long as yeah. it doesn't get physical, you know, I think it's great banter for basketball. Uh, trash talk is, is is a part of basketball. Um, I think uh, people forget that. Um, it's definitely what brings out the best in you. Uh, either you can talk trash and play, or you talk trash and don't say anything at all. So I think it's I think it's a good talk. It makes it makes the game more exciting. It makes it means more to to every every team, every player. Your nickname and your Twitter handle is Quiet Storm. Um, yeah. <laughs> would people be surprised about you talking trash during the game? Was that a part of your game? And was anyone able ever able to really get to you on the court from a trash talk standpoint? Um, I don't think so, but uh, I think you know trash talk. Like I said, it's a part of the game. I never talked trash until someone started with me. Uh, so I, it, was, it wasn't just me just coming out there and saying, "Oh, you're, you're terrible." But I think it's all fun. Like I said, and uh, it's, it's part of the game, and it makes the game more exciting as a player too. C.J. Watson, our guest on Outkick 360. Can you compare competing against Joakim Noah in college versus having him as a teammate in the pros? <laughs> uh, having him as a teammate, he was like that every day in practice. Uh, 24-7, Joe was always uh, antics, clapping his hands, uh, telling coach we need to stop doing uh, closeouts and we need to take a rest. Uh, so it was, it was good. I'm glad he was my teammate. Uh, unfortunate that I knocked his tooth out, but... Uh, as soon as I signed with the Bulls and I saw him in the locker room, I said, "You know, we're not going to have any more elbows anymore. I'm going to try to keep him, <laughs> keep him, keep him low and keep him, uh, you know, legal." <laughs> was he cool about it? Was he mad when when you got there? You had to talk it out at first, or I'm sure he remembered that moment from college. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he definitely remembered. I can I can remember because I see his tooth, and you know, it's it's a it's a fake tooth, so it's definitely uh, <laughs> something something put in there. <laughs> but uh, no, he was he was cool about it. He was all all happy and like he like I said, he's one of my favorite NBA teammates ever. Every solid team, you've got to have a guy that you wouldn't really like unless he's your guy, right? Right, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's always got to be the antagonist, and he was certainly that guy. Yeah, yeah. There's always one on that team, like you said, who's, a, who's kind of like the bully, the nice guy uh, behind the scenes. But definitely on the court, he, he has a mind of his own, a character of his own, and he makes the team whole. He's kind of like the X Factor. Where do you come down, CJ, on the load management discussion and the debate? Uh, Adam Silver says it's not an issue. I mean, if you're driving to a game as a fan and LeBron's supposed to be in town, you may not know he's not playing until you're on the road sitting in traffic as you go into the, to the arena. Um, right. it, is that a problem right now for the NBA? Um, I think it's a problem. Like you said, every fan uh, wants to see their favorite player play, and it's unfortunate that some players you know, sit out games and stuff like that. But um, I guess as a former player, I would say – it is a lot of wear and tear on the body, um, but I would say maybe kind of schedule the the games you're going to set out kind of in the future so fans can know so they don't they don't waste their hard earned money you know traveling to a game going to a game and uh, all of a sudden you know they wasted their money come to see you play and you're not there. Over the course of your career, CJ, you played against some some great players. Um, 
Who are the three guys that jump out to you? Three guards that you really remember as these these guys are great and they, they jump out first to you. Uh, first, I would say Tony Parker, uh, Darren Williams, and then um, I guess Dame Lillard. Uh, t- 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 three of my toughest like guards to always guard one on one, and uh, I know every night I had to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> and those are three very different guys. I mean, I'm sure they're hard to yeah. guard for for very different reasons. Uh, what yep. was it about Tony Parker's game that was so difficult? Uh, just being in that Spurs system, he couldn't really shoot it that well. But if you get to his spot by that free throw line or anything in the paint around that paint, he can. He can hit a floater, one footed, two footed, and uh, he always it's always better when he has a great player like Tim Duncan, you know, beside him who he can play against, and you know, other players like Manu Ginobili and all that kind of stuff. So he was just so tough. They had so many weapons. Tell us about the Quiet Storm Foundation, CJ, and and how people can be a part of it. Uh, so we started in 2009. Uh, we have three or four programs we do each year. Uh, we put on our uh, Black History Essay Contest, and we also have a luncheon uh, every year coming up to recognize the students. We have an out-of-school program um, every second and fourth Saturday to teach kids about uh, health and wellness. I uh, have a mental health coach come in and talk about mental health. And uh, we just want kids to be great. And uh, if you want to help donate, uh, go to quietstormfoundation.org to help or you want to volunteer also. So we're looking for to partner with people and just you know, make kids better. Yeah, in-kind donations, quietstormfoundation.org for more info there. C.J. Watson has been our guest. Uh we're nearing the end of the Tennessee-Missouri matchup. Get back to it. We're going to continue to watch it as well. Tennessee's up three right now, yeah. CJ. We can tell you that. We'll okay. see if the Vols can advance. Hopefully they can the hold semis. on. <laughs> hey, yep. and, hey, there's going to be some crazy uh, crazy scene if Tennessee takes on Alabama tomorrow with Brandon Miller on the court and everything going on between the rivalry and the universities. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I like his game, but definitely you know, crazy what's going on there, too. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, CJ Watson there. Tenure vet, great NBA career uh, coming out of Tennessee. And well, and Bruce Pearl unlocked him in college. Yeah. Uh, he and was always a good Dane player. mentioned that. Yeah, really good player for, uh, for, for Buzz, Buzz Peterson. But I think he had a 10-year NBA career in part because of what he showed off in Bruce Pearl's system that one year he was with him. We will get into our predictions for Selection Sunday whenever we come back. We'll take a deep dive on the brackets and then what we'll be analyzing on Monday. Trey Wallace will check in as well from Bridgestone Arena at the SEC Tournament, and we'll keep you updated on the second game of today's slate, Tennessee taking on Missouri. The winner advances to take on Bama. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Great game going on right now between Tennessee and Missouri. Quarterfinals. Winner advances to take on Alabama in the SEC tournament here in Nashville. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, I just wish this game mattered um, as the back and forth goes on. I don't think this has any any say over what the committee does on Sunday. That's just my opinion. 
Um, the SEC and, and the NCAA want me to believe this game matters. I don't buy it. This is one of those games that, to me, are way more fun because fun. Yeah. there's no real stakes, right? right? Like It's not like Missouri's trying to get the tournament yeah. and win. So when you get back and forth, we've right. had some Kentucky-Tennessee games. The semifinals that have been similar to that. It's more about like, okay, this is pride. Yeah, right. You got well, two you, teams, more of a street street a, battle. A chance to go and win the conference yeah, tournament. Yeah, it's a chance to go I, win advance, it, but, but yeah, it, it's also it's not. No one's going to be devastated because they get the bigger tournament next week. Whoever loses this game is going to. What they're going to do is they're going to go to their campus and get ready for the big dance, right? So, yeah, you you immediately not the biggest deal, and, but it's games like this to me are fun for that reason it's been a because. Blast. It's, Look down. I mean, it's back at 62-61 now with six minutes remaining. Example, Hutton, a week from now when Tennessee or Missouri is in a game like this, fans are dreading it because you're hating it because what you're seeing is the end of your entire run and the end of your season in this game. Fans watching this right now are more enjoying the back and forth and the competition of it because you know it's not the end. That goes for all these conference tournament games when you have two teams that are in the NCAA tournament. Chad, we've... uh at OutKick, Dan Z's been having the updated mock drafts for the NFL draft, which is coming your way in a little over a month uh, from now. Hard to believe, but it's just around the corner. Um, he has multiple trades for the Bears, but the big one in the latest mock draft, Indianapolis moving up to number one overall to draft C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I don't think he's going to be off base here. I think there's going to be so much debate about Bryce Young and his size and comparing him to C.J. Stroud. I think there's two quarterbacks in that top tier, and then you have the line, right? It's not like it's Bryce, and then there's a drop-off to C.J. Stroud. I think there's a great chance he could go number one overall. I do, too. I, I didn't think that going into the combine as much, but coming out of the combine, I do see a lot more questions about Bryce Young's size than before. Yeah. I could see C.J. Stroud going number one. What I enjoyed about this, though, Hutton, was this scenario did not – feature the Colts trading up to draft Anthony Richardson <laughs> at number one overall. Yeah, again, because I, I appreciate when I realism. first started reading it, I'm thinking, oh, here we go. It's yeah. going to be Anthony Richardson. Uh, so I do appreciate that part of it. But here's – so he's got Houston taking Bryce Young. I think the Texans could stay put, and they should be happy with either quarterback, quite frankly. I think yep. both will be good pros. Arizona stays at three to draft Will Anderson, the best defensive player in the draft out of Bama. And the other – I mean – the other interesting scenario for Arizona, I'll just toss this out there. Kyler Murray's probably missing the first month and a half, maybe two months of the season because he got hurt at the end of the year. Yeah. The ACL. Yep. Do you dare take a QB? No. I Colt think McCoy's are, right now their QB. Yeah, they are completely in bed right now with uh, – Unless you can move him somehow. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Um, it would be interesting. You bring up a good point on that, but – I think that they're married to Kyler Murray at this point. Um, and then at pick four, that was originally with Indianapolis, of course. They trade up with the Bears. The Bears take over the fourth pick in this mock-drafted outkick. The Bears would trade out again to Chad Withrow's Carolina Panthers. See, that and, would uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, That's the one that okay. I keep seeing as the sleeper trade-up possibility to draft that quarterback that they've coveted for so long. And I think the matchup here between quarterback and head coach fits. Will Levis, number four overall to Carolina with Frank Reich. 
I do not like that. Three quarterbacks that in the top high, four. But I, I, do, I, I absolutely see a scenario where Carolina will be trading up to draft whatever quarterback they covet. He has Anthony Richardson to the Las Vegas Raiders at seven. I mean, someone's going to draft Anthony Richardson high. Oh, he's a, I think he's a top 10 pick. Yeah, I, I think someone's going someone's to see that and say, we can do something with it. I, I get it. I, I'm not overly optimistic that he's going to deliver on the traits that he possesses. And he does. I mean, there's you watch the guy physically. I watched him a year ago in the Tennessee game and the Utah game, and I think, man, if this guy figures everything out, look how great yeah. he looked in these games. He's going to be something else. But then it's just... It's not like he's the youngest player in terms of experience, and that, that inconsistency he showed time and again was the problem. So, yeah, yeah that's, very, that's the one that's hard to figure out with Up him. and down play. If, I'll also say, like, development needs to happen with him. If he flourishes his rookie season in the NFL, what does that say for Billy Napier? That he's great in year one in the NFL as a rookie, and he couldn't do that at Florida 12 months earlier. Doesn't say a lot. Um, That's a, I mean, and, and also, like, he also wasn't the starter for a long time. They didn't look his way for a, quite a while in Gainesville. I'd, I'd love to ask that question, too. You know, we've had Dan Mullen on who talked about his raw ability, but we, we, we'll ask Dan Mullen this at some point. Yeah. We heard from people that know the Florida program well that said, Dan is an amazing quarterback coach. Right. And he's great at coaching offense. His problem at times is picking the right quarterback. That once he gets the right quarterback, he develops them and finds the offense for them. But at times, it's picking the right one. You're I'd like right. to ask him about that. that criticism of him and see what he thinks about someone saying that to him. Yeah, and it may not all be on Richardson. And Richardson, I think, will improve, right? The ceiling is extremely high. I think he has a lower floor than the other QBs as well, based on what we've seen in college. Um Beyond this, just some of the other... I, I, I like his pick for the Bears. They trade down to nine. They trade twice. They get the ninth overall selection. In the They go Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Again, add weapons around Justin Fields. That's got to happen this offseason. Um, the other big names, Quinton By the way, Johnston. the Bears have a real opportunity here to build a foundation for eight to ten years of success. Based on they everything they have, million if, dollars in if they do it right, I mean, a mix of some veteran with young guys and what yeah. they can do in the draft, they've got a real chance. This is their window now, the way the, the league is built and the way the draft is set up to really build the foundation of something good if they can make good decisions, which has been the problem with that organization. Chad, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, first round pick, according to Dan Z, 25th overall, 25th to the New York Giants. He they did signed, not. They signed Daniel Jones this week. They've franchise tag Saquon Barkley. It's been a who's who at the wide receiver position for them. Straight speed for Daniel Jones and the passing game. They he did not get the forty time he hoped for. Right, it was four, right at four. four 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 zero. He wanted what four two something four he two. He said nine. four two nine. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't get that. But I don't think people are worried about that. They know how fast he is. Right. Um, we saw him. He's yeah, I, I, think he, I think he's probably a late first-round pick. I was fascinated when he told us in, at the Super Bowl that he would have gone back to college if he didn't know he was a first-round pick, that everything he heard was first-round pick, that if he thought he was going to be a second-round pick, he would have come back. And he can make good money as an early second-round pick. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's not close to the slotting that takes place with the salary in year one, year two for, for rookies. Boy, we've seen it. And it's, just, it's guaranteed for first round. We've seen extremes on each end with these guys who are a little smaller that have yeah. a lot of speed, though, right? 
No doubt. John Ross versus, you know, Brandon Cooks versus other guys, right? Like, it, it really goes one way or the other with them. Yeah. It's either they're not much of anything or they're a 10-year really good pro. Missouri leads by one, 67-60. Balls. 67-66. Oh, excuse me, 67-66, 3.50 to play. Uh, with Tennessee with possession. We'll keep you updated on this as a three uh, is off the mark, but possession remains with the Vols. Chad, the debate, Richardson in the SEC and everyone else. We didn't see enough for Anthony Richardson. Um, Nick Saban was asked about the pros and cons, not necessarily about Richardson. He, I think he does allude to him, but also to uh, Bryce Young, where he says, hey, we've... We've all seen the 6'4", 225-pound guy that can throw it like a bazooka, but he can't make the choices and decisions. He can't distribute the ball. He can't throw it accurately. So who's the better bet? I'm going on history, production, performance, and Bryce Young's done it about as well as anybody. That from Nick Saban, Bryce Young's head coach. I've said that too. I, I just have to believe what I saw in games. Young did that at the college level. I haven't seen that consistent enough from Richardson. Yeah. But when you name the 6'4", 225-pound bazooka, he's alluding to that QB, is he not? Yes, absolutely he is. Nick Saban's no dummy. All right, Nick Saban knows when he says something, he knows his words are closely monitored. So he is comparing the latest trend, the hot name, and that's Anthony Richardson, to his yeah. guy, yeah. Bryce Young, and he's which a good coach would do. He's an advocate for you. He is petitioning for Bryce Young to be that number one pick, and he is pitting him against Anthony Richardson. And I agree with Saban on this. Look more at the film and what point, they've accomplished as opposed to the traits. Right. And the combine would be Richardson. The film would tell us Bryce Young. Trey Wallace joins us. He's courtside right now uh, during a media timeout for Tennessee and Missouri. Back and forth matchup, Trey. It's been quite the game for game two there at Bridgestone. Talking to you guys, uh, back and forth game, defensive battle, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Missouri and Tennessee are just just going at it on the offensive side. It, it's uh, 67-66, two minutes and 42 seconds left to go, and everybody's on their feet here at Bridgestone Arena. Well, and Trey, we know this game will affect who plays Alabama tomorrow in the SEC semis. Do you feel like this game really affects Missouri or Tennessee much at all in terms of seed line? for next week's NCAA tournament? Chad, I don't think it affects when it comes to the seed line. I think, honestly, that Tennessee is where they are now. I don't think this loss is going to hurt that. I think Missouri is fine. You know, Tennessee, yes, would love to win this game where they can turn around and potentially be, you know, uh, a high three seed, maybe even a two if they get to Sunday in a championship game. But I don't really think it hurts them in the long term, no. I think they're going to be in. I think they're going to be in Greensburg. What did you hear from Brandon Miller post game, uh, and uh, also Nate Oates as Alabama advances to the semis tomorrow? Trey not, may not be able to to hear us there. Um, we'll try to reconnect with him. Apparently, the guys one of the one of the craziest press conferences I've been a part of in a while. And I'll, I'll reference his, his report instead. Uh, Miller, um, on Wednesday, was asked about being involved in Sun Level 
uh, and the death of a, a young mother. We certainly have chronicled that here on the show. Respectfully, I'm not going to be able to say on that. Um, and then he gave a no comment because of the investigation, more or less. Um, but Chad, the, the tone of the Alabama press conferences have changed, according to Trey and Outkick.com uh, with the story now, where they are absolutely getting asked questions about this on a daily basis. And it's not just Miller and Oates. It's now teammates who are getting questions answered. At some point, that's going to have to wear on that group, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know that it's o overly affected them at all so far. So they've continued to roll right along uh, throughout the SEC. So I, I, don't, I don't see it affecting them now. I will say kudos to whoever started the line of questioning about gun policies for every other SEC coach yeah. to get some comparison. And um, I wish more SEC coaches spoke out one way or the other on how they would have handled this. Like, I wish we had some honest reaction of, because they're all going to say that I don't know the whole situation and, you know, they're going to kind of talk around it. I'd, li I'd like to know honest answers from college basketball coaches just knowing that what they know of the case of how they would have handled this. So Nate Oates has, was, has been asked specifically if he's made an attempt to reach out to the family of the victim, uh, Jamia Harris. And the quote was today, listen, this whole situation has been obviously, as you know, hard to deal with, tragic to have any involvement in a young woman losing her life. What you ask is a private matter. I'm not going to discuss publicly with everybody. A lot of this is just hard to deal with, to be honest with you, but it's a private matter. That from Nate Oates. He, the follow-up to that question was, if uh, the reporter asked if, if an attempt had even been made. And Oates again described it as a private matter. Yeah, the answer is no. Uh, I read a bit. ESPN did a huge deep dive into the, that night that the, the murder happened, everything around it, and had interviews with the family and friends and everyone else of the victim. And uh, the father is... The father's very mad that he has not even heard word one from anyone in Alabama on it, and uh, the mom is is you know devastated by it and doesn't really care as much to hear from them one way or the other. But I know the dad is is upset with what's how it's gone down. Let's try Trey one more time, and if not, we'll try to catch up with Trey uh, this weekend in person as we go to these games. Trey, how would you describe the Alabama postgame presser today? Well, probably one of the most intense press conferences I've been in in a long time, gentlemen. And I've covered a lot of press conferences over the last 13 years of doing this. It felt like a White House press briefing. I just wrote about it. You can check it out on outkids.com. Uh, gentlemen, I mean, you had, you had reporters asking questions once the moderator said, okay, we're done. It was like, you know, when a, a president's walking out of a room and you still want to ask that question, you start yelling it. There was one reporter that yelled out a question as Nate Oates was walking out of the back. Some of the questions that we that were going on during the event, um, Nate Oates was very standoffish. And, and Brandon Miller decided he did not want to speak on the matter. Um, there are some things he can't say. And I understand that legally. And we understand that legally as reporters. But there are some things he can't talk about. He can talk about his feelings. He can talk about his teammates. He can talk about certain aspects without getting into the investigation. He's not talking at all. And as he continues to do this, gentlemen, the questions are going to continue to come. So as long as they want to make this standoffish, it's still going to happen. So I, I don't understand why they at least don't try to attack this 
in some form or fashion. Yeah, and this has been the attitude from the athletic department, from the university, from the head coach, that has led to the questioning now. And what you're describing is how I would describe how Alabama's handled this from day one. Jonathan, it was, it was, sorry for the crazy Missouri fans here. Well, it was the, I've never been a part of something like that where it was so, the questions were so intense towards the coach and the player. And that's what kind of threw me off a little bit, but, you know, in a sense of knowing the surroundings. But I mean, it, it, the bottom line is, is that, Alabama Communications has not been in control of this situation from the start. So now we're sitting in a situation now where they're going to have to answer questions. As long as they keep winning, they're going to have to go to that podium. And until a reporter gets the answer they're looking for, and we all have different stories, the question's going to be asked. So I look at everything overall, guys, and I think NATO handled it in a bad way today. I think with the amount of people that were in there, excuse me, the most people I've seen in a press conference, you know, since I've been here, uh, happened today. And um, it's not, guys, it got to a point where a reporter straight up asked Javon Quinterly, do you own a gun? Like, that was just the question. Javon, do you own a gun? There was a reason for that question. And uh, only that reporter knows, but if you read into it enough, I think you'll understand why he's asking that question. Trey Wallace, outkick.com is where you can read more on the coverage of Alabama and Brandon Miller, plus everything that's happening on the court. Trey, thanks so much, man. Great work, and we'll catch up this weekend. Hey, thanks, guys. A minute 40 to go here, and I know y'all got some big news around the NFL, so... Y'all have a great rest of the afternoon. Thanks, Trey. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Trey Wallace there. Again, outkick.com for the latest on the SEC tournament and more, including this story. Breaking news from Adam Schefter. The Chicago Bears have traded out of pick number one to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for pick nine, pick 61 this year, plus a future first-round pick, which will be next season in 2024, and a second-round pick two years from now in 2025, plus wide receiver DJ Moore. So DJ Moore is headed from Carolina to Chicago, plus a ton of draft compensation for Carolina to move up ahead of Houston to the first overall selection to draft the quarterback of their choice. So Frank Reich is getting pick number one in a franchise QB based on their scouting department and who they want to go with out of the combine. It's made sense to me for a while that I thought Carolina was the dark horse team that would trade all the way up to number one because of their owner's desire to have that guy, to have that franchise quarterback, and now they have a chance to draft that guy at number one overall. Is Carolina all in on Bryce Young? That's the big question now. Because if they're not... I think it's one of the two. Well, you, the, uh, Him or C.J. Stroud. Or C.J.? Yeah. C.J. Stroud throwing at the combine, and I think that really helped him. Because people are talking about him, and we're and we knew the discussion would be about Bryce Young, but coming off of a combine where the discussion was going to be about Will Levis and Richardson, Stroud decided to do some of the workouts, and so he was joined in that conversation. And Frank Reich hired for a reason, developed the QB, which he's done throughout the course of his career, not just as a head coach. Yeah, 
but other stops along the way. What do you think about Again, the compensation? Bears um, trading away uh, pick number one. Compensation's great. Pick number nine, pick number 61, first round pick next year. So a first second, second round, round pick, pick in 2025 and DJ Moore. Yeah, so two first round picks. You swap first round picks this year. Chicago keeps the ninth selection so they can still get a wide receiver to pair with DJ Moore and for Justin Fields if they want. They can also potentially get um, the number two or number three best defender in the draft to add to that Bears defense if they want. They've been trading away talent on the defensive side. I think it's a great haul, plus a first-round pick next year from Carolina, second-round pick that they can move whenever they so choose, plus a solid receiver in DJ Moore. Early on, though, this, was, this is similar to what we saw from San Francisco moving up with Miami for the third pick. Yeah. Whenever they went up in the quarterback draft two years ago. Now the huge question is, who's that quarterback going to be? You know, now, now we'll know. Yeah, I, I think there will be reports fairly quickly, I'm willing to bet, that uh, there's someone they covet and will start being reported who that is. Hit us up with your thoughts. Outkick 360. How do you feel if you're Houston? Houston, who won in week 18, and the Bears lost. That determined the number one overall selection. Number one and number two. And now, Carolina, quarterback needy team, trades up ahead of Houston. They pay the price to do it, to draft the quarterback that they probably feel like wouldn't be there if they traded up to three with Arizona. And now the Texans are left potentially without their number one overall guy, and we will never know. Whoever they end up selecting is going to be their guy. But if they wanted Stroud or Bryce Young, they're not going to be able to get him. And maybe one of these two teams surprises us. Are Carolina or Houston in love with Richardson or Levis this much where they would take him, number one or number two overall in this draft? That would be... An enormous story, if that was the case. We'll update you on the SEC tournament and more coming up. This is Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Carolina Panthers, they now hold the number one overall pick in April's NFL Draft. They've traded with Chicago. They sent a haul their way, including DJ Moore, who is going to be 26 whenever the season kicks off, and basically a 1,000-yard receiver, joining Justin Fields in Chicago, along with future first-rounders. You've got a couple second-rounders thrown in there as well. Carolina moving up to go after their quarterback. And meanwhile, Chicago makes this trade, and now they have six weeks leading up to the draft, knowing where they're going to be currently pick nine, and they have a ton of money to hit in free agency to go all in for their young quarterback in Justin Fields. Outkick 360 rolls on. Obviously a huge moment for both franchises. Yeah, Carolina finally gets a chance to go and get the quarterback they want to be that guy. It has yeah. been sort of by committee recently, really since ever since Cam, Cam Newton. Newton yeah. It's been by committee. They tried with Baker Mayfield. They've tried with Sam Darnold. It hasn't worked. 
Now they trade up. They get to go get Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or any quarterback that they want. And for the Bears, it's a big bet on Justin Fields. It's a big bet around him right now that he's going to be the guy that they got so many opportunities now yeah. to really build a core around him to have long-term success. They had offers, nothing like this, in terms of where Carolina was trying to move from. Uh, Ryan Poles, the GM, said they, they had a, a, a couple offers that would put them in the 20s in the first round, told Peter King that. This one keeps them in the top 10, and they get a haul in return. Uh, meanwhile, Carolina, they've hired, of course, Frank Reich to be their head coach. He was their first quarterback, the guy that took the first snap for the franchise. And now he's the head coach as they move into a new era with the quarterback of their choosing with four, maybe five, going in the first round in about a month and a half. Chad, I like it for Carolina. I like it better for Chicago. They made the right call here by investing in Justin Fields and letting him prove it. That's the way to go based on the money involved. And, Chad, we'd see uh, Missouri advance. Uh, yeah. They got hot from beyond the arc. Tennessee had some early turnovers, and maybe that ended up dooming them, maybe not. But Missouri closed. They'll advance. The Missouri Tigers advance in the SEC tournament. They will be facing Alabama our, tomorrow. Our buddy Aaron Torres just tweeted, Dennis Gates of Missouri inherited a 12-win team with a grand total of one key player returning. They just got a double bye at the SEC tournament, are comfortably in the, in the NCAA tournament, and are now in the SEC semis. As long as Missouri has Gates, they will be a problem in the SEC. Promise you that. I totally agree. This dude can coach. That team plays hard. It very much reminds me of uh, early Bruce Pearl teams. We talked to C.J. Watson at Tennessee. Yeah. The way they play, the way they shoot threes, the way they can pressure. And here's the difference right now between Tennessee of a month ago with Zakai Ziegler and Tennessee right now. And not that Zakai Ziegler was a total answer either. Tennessee doesn't have closers. They got a solid group of guys. They play really good defense. They got guys who can light you up on any given night. But that was a thrilling game up to the last two minutes. And in the last two minutes, Missouri has guards and Kobe Brown that can close you out. And Tennessee just doesn't have that right now. And when and you pressure rebounds. them, we've seen it now yesterday against Ole Miss. didn't matter against Ole Miss. They're just a lot better than yeah. them. But today it mattered. Too many turnovers. They don't have a primary ball handler. Teams are going to continue to trap them and test them that way. And for that reason, I mean, look, it's, it's been a fine season for Tennessee, but feels like they're going to be a three seed and feels like they're not getting out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament to me because they lack that closer and given, you know, Rick Barnes. At some point, your, your tournament record is your tournament record when you coach as long as him, right? So there's an issue there. Yeah, it defines it. And um, so, look, it would defy – what I think about this team right now if Tennessee made the Sweet 16. I'll just say that. Are they capable? Yes. Can they get some good luck with a good draw, especially if they win the first-round game and get to the second round? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to make it there? No. Do I think Missouri's a team that could make some, do some damage in the NCAA tournament? Yes. Because of their guard play and because Kobe Brown is an interesting matchup and a tough matchup for anyone, the way he plays. If Vandy beats Kentucky, are they getting in? I think so. I think they will, and especially based on some other bubble teams. Yeah, like FAU and losing, others yeah, are winning. Yeah, and some teams, either teams winning in the one-bid leagues or mm -hmm. some other things with Michigan losing, some other teams that would have been hovering around the bubble, North Carolina, probably last night. I think they're a long shot to get in at this point after losing to Virginia. I think they needed to beat Virginia last night. They may miss. They may become the first in, what, 
Years. UNC years. has one. Since we expanded to 68, I know that. UNC that, has one quad one win this year. Oh, so it'll be the, it'll be the first ever preseason number one to not make it. So crazy, crazy. But, yeah, I think, I think Vandy, tonight's a winning in scenario for them against Kentucky. Chad, our one seeds that we're predicting before the conference tournaments are final uh, for Sunday's selection show for the bracket, Kansas, UCLA, Alabama, and Houston. Purdue's got Ohio State tomorrow in the semis of the Big Ten tournament. Purdue would be the one that can move up. But I don't see either of these teams. I think Alabama's taking the SEC this year. I do too. Based on how they played in their first game today. I don't think Alabama's affected by much of anything. I think they're going to no. roll right along. I think they're going to be a team that, that you absolutely should consider for cutting down the nets in Houston at the Final Four to win it all. And we get Jim Nance's final tournament. Now, here's the one that I would like to Starting just put, a, put an addendum on. Arizona UCLA are still playing in the Pac-12 tournament. Arizona right now is probably a two seed. Yeah. If Arizona wins the Pac-12 tournament tomorrow, that game's going to be played tomorrow, and given you said, and I hate this, and let me bring it up, know, but we know injury. it's true, but given UCLA's injury, does that, do they swap? Does UCLA Maybe. now become a two, Arizona a one? But it won't be because Arizona won. It'll be because of the injury. It'll be because of both. They, well, I think it would be the combination of both. Well, Maybe. It should not factor in at all. We are consistent on that. Yeah. It should, if you want to put them in at a one because they won the Pac-12 championship and UCLA didn't in the tournament, fine. Don't factor in the loss of the player. Don't do it. But they will. They, they absolutely will. will. They absolutely will. Yeah. Tennessee might end up being a four seed because of the loss of their star point guard too, right? Yeah, I mean, I who mean, knows? Like, I don't know what they're going to look at Tennessee and say. I, they may say, no, this team. Year to year, who knows the yeah. criteria, honestly. Uh, fun show, fun week. We're back at it on Monday. We'll be recapping the brackets, all the regions. Hope you'll join us. Start at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 Central. Full coverage all weekend from the tournaments. Trey Wallace has you covered and much more. Big trade in the NFL. Carolina trading with Chicago for the number one overall pick. Armando Salguero will have the details at outkick.com. We'll catch you on Monday right here across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360. And so I thank, I thank all of you, and I am, because you are.